Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is another episode of Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness. I don't think I've said that in a while. It is, uh, what day is it? It's the 21st of February, February 21st, 2021. Uh, it is a Sunday, it is show 808, uh, and uh, yeah, so this week I am going to... I've wanted to do this for a little while. I'm going to go back and start watching a little bit of the Star Trek Discovery episodes again. I've watched, I think most of them I've only watched once. I think the first season I kind of maybe went through twice, or a good part of it twice. But um, So I'm going to play episode one, season one of Star Trek Discovery, and comment like I've done for Star Trek episodes throughout the years, and talk about the show, talk about, you know, now I have... I think we all have a little, if you've been watching the show, I have a little perspective on it. But uh, yeah, I thought that would be fun and a, and a little bit uh, going back to, you know, kind of what I call a classic show, do some commentary on an episode. And yeah, that'll be, I think I said and too many times. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that now. That's going to be today's show. Talk a little bit about some other things at first, uh, what's been going on, what I've been watching, what what's... Uh, are we ever, all of us, going to get the vaccine? You know, who knows? But, uh, yeah, so everyone, hang in there, stand by. I'll be back uh, right after the opening credits, music, whatever, and then we'll get into the show. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the man in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Putus of War. Resistance is futile. Jedi's drink flows from the Force, but beware of the dark side. Okay, welcome to the podcast, folks. Uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, and uh, if you ever want to support the podcast, that's over at patreon.com forward slash Trex and Sci-Fi. And I'm trying to do a few more contests this year uh, and giveaways, that kind of stuff. Did it had a couple of calendars I gave away so far to Patreon members this year. Also, uh, I think I'm going to have some DVD sets or possibly Blu-rays to give away. Maybe some books. Um, yes, Rico's kind of cleaning out some of the things he has, like multiple stuff. <laughs> There's a little bit of that. Got a couple of bigger items that I want to do maybe over the summer. But uh, yeah, that's if you want to be eligible for those things, patreon.com 
of forward slash Treks in Sci-Fi and appreciate very much all the people that have been supporting the show all these years. You guys are great, and I, I really do appreciate that. So what's uh, what's been happening in the world? Well, I hear Texas is, is all messed up. I, I really feel bad for you guys. I have quite a few friends that down there that I've learned uh, that I've learned of uh, that I've met through doing the podcast. Obviously, the ones that I've gone to, like uh, Jen and Angela, Casey, you know, the people that I've Noah, the people that I've uh, connected up with and gone to conventions down there. Uh, good friends of mine, and I really feel bad for you guys. The fact that <laughs> you've got this bad weather and no way to basically deal with it. Uh, my only bit of advice is. Don't let it happen again. Like, get some stuff. Get a generator. You know, have have a stockpile of water. You know, tucked away somewhere. I mean, especially when it gets to be this time of year. I know this has been a record, cold record. You guys have had snow, but I mean, it seems to me at least that these things have been happening more frequently. This is this is obviously the worst of of what's been what's happened. But boy, I I do feel bad for you guys. I hope it gets better soon. We're supposed to kind of warm up up here in Michigan. The uh, we've been below freeze the freezing point for us here in the U.S. You know Fahrenheit below 32. We were into the single digits quite a few days, uh, and it's been bitterly cold. Really, furnace is working good, thank goodness. And uh, you know we are built to handle this stuff better up here but it, we're not immune to weather that's for sure i mean we we certainly everybody has their things but um i've always said i'd much rather cook cook than freeze <laughs> you know i i lived for years without ac and and i i can handle heat and uh but man you can't handle when it gets down below the freezing point we're we're mostly made of water right <laughs> So uh, there was uh, something popped up on my Facebook feed. We had a super cold winter here about six years ago. Here's your weather report, by the way, and I'll, I'm almost done. Uh, but about six years ago in here in Michigan, we had back-to-back really bad winters. One one winter, we had a ton of snow, like 100 inches of snow, which is huge for us. We probably usually get about 40 for the season, you know, something like that total. Uh, but... Um, so 100 inches versus 40, that's a big difference. Uh, and then the following winter, I think it was, where we got bitterly cold for a few weeks. You know, I had a, had a car that was having to sit outside because we had three cars at the time. And I would get into that thing in the morning, and it, it was literally air temperature, like almost minus 30 Fahrenheit. Uh, so that's that's even for people up here in the north. I, I, I put up a video on Facebook a while ago about comparing, you know, how people handle cold in different parts of the country differently, the south basically versus the north. But even minus 30 Fahrenheit, that's ridiculous. I We don't handle that. So uh, that's, yeah, I, I don't like the cold. Winter lasts just too long here is the biggest thing. You guys down south, yeah, you're it's rough. But in, in a couple of weeks, you'll probably be having 60 degree days at least or whatever. We're months from that, so just think about that. But anyway, everybody has their things, but I do hope it gets better for you guys. And get that infrastructure. Kick those crazy people in government who aren't doing nothing and messing all your your state up. Get them out of there. So there, there's my political story for today. (laughs) All right, how about let's talk about sci-fi. Let's talk about movies, TV. Uh, I'm going to go backwards. Like I'll go with the... 
most recent things that I've watched because they're easier to remember, frankly. I watched uh, just last night, uh, it's streaming now, I watched Monster Hunter, uh, which is Mila Djokovic, Djokovic, whatever her name, you know, all the Resident Evil movies, uh, action woman, you know, her and Kate Beckinsale, you know, I think they should do a team up movie, right? Um, you know, she did, Kate all did all those, um, the, uh, what am I trying to say? The Underworld movies, yes. I wonder if we'll ever get another one of those or another Resident Evil with those actresses again but so monster hunter is based on the capcom video game which was super um super popular uh i never played it i'm not really a console gamer although did it come out on pc finally i think it maybe did um but uh so i don't know uh, anything much about the background i mean i know a little bit my my kids were playing it my sons were playing it uh but i know enough i mean you go out and you hunt and you kill monsters but it is uh I would say it's 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 exactly the kind of movie you'd expect it to be. It's it, it's it's mostly action. Uh, there's mostly you know big monsters. I thought the effects and the look of the movie was good. It, they didn't scrimp. It it looked pretty real to me. As real as a you know fighting giant dinosaur like monsters can be. Uh, and it's uh, it's just a these kind of movies tend to be especially if they're based on a comic. Uh, not a comic, sorry. Why did I say comic? A video game. The people in the movie, I mean, they get like, you know, uh, one of these monsters will smack them with something and throw them into like a wall or a, or a pile of rocks, and they just get back up. And they're not really like very well armored or covered up or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's like you're not you're not Superman. I, I mean, you'd break bones. You'd, you'd, you would like not. And it happens a lot of times in the movie, getting whacked around, you know, flying through the air. And I know it's a little bit, you know, obviously it's a fantasy and you have to kind of somewhat accept that. And, and you know, she's tough and she can take this. But it, it, it I wouldn't say they push it. They push it pretty far. I, I mean, it, to the point where I'm like, OK, by the end of this movie, you should literally be really messed up. So. Anyway, that's I thought they were going to do one thing in the movie where like kind of she would have some time to kind of heal up. But she just keeps getting beat up all over. But I'm not revealing much, but it was fun. It was goofy. I ate some popcorn. And uh, if you if you like the game, you know, if if giant monsters, you know, some especially I think uh, kids like, you know, early teenagers, I, I, you know, Godzilla, this is, you know, that kind of thing. We got Godzilla versus King Kong coming at the end of March. Uh, so yeah, uh, by the way, there's a lot of good stuff coming in March, (laughs) big, big things. We've got that. We've got that Snyder cut of justice league. We have, uh, Falcon and winter soldier series starting, which, which will start roughly after, uh, WandaVision is done. So, um, by the way, I, I, in the early part of the podcast, I don't really try to give away spoilers or anything, so I'm not going to spoil things. But how's WandaVision for everybody? I think we only have two episodes left. I'm really enjoying it. You know, you read on the Internet and, and, and like, I think it's just can we just sit back and enjoy a show or enjoy a movie and not pick it apart and, like, people will be like, oh, I don't think it's that good and, you know, or, or you know, other people, like, it, it, you get the two extremes, right, where – you know, oh, it's it's amazing. It's the best thing ever. And then you get all the way to the other end. It's like, you know, this is crap. I don't know why I'm paying for this on Disney Plus. And it's just, 
I like it. It's good. It's fun. You know, it, it's different. And uh, yeah, so I'm enjoying it. And, and I get to sit back each week and get an episode. For, so, you know, I, I don't, it's not wowing me. Like, it's not blowing me away by any means. There's some cool things in there for Marvel fans, for sure. And if you're fans of the films, you'll probably enjoy it. So, yeah. So there you go. Uh, I mean, it's, these are these TV series that Marvel's putting out. You know, they had all these announcements of these series. They had all these announcements of movies. Um, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast many times before. There's this tendency these days that everything either has to be the second coming, you know, the greatest thing ever, or it's the worst. There's no nuance or no in between. But I, I, I just want to be able to enjoy these things and not not get into that swept up into that the, the Star Trek stuff the Star Trek series the recent ones like Discovery and Picard Lower Decks they, they fall into that same trap a bit uh, maybe even more so I mean even now three seasons with a fourth season coming of Discovery you know any Discovery thread on any big Star Trek group online there's still people saying oh my god the the show sucks you know these guys have ruined Star Trek I'm like are you still beating that drum? I mean, early on, I guess you could make your opinion known, but I've mentioned this many times on the podcast too. I don't go to places and complain about like, you know, things that I don't really care for. I just move on. If, if you don't really like it, why are you, are you really still watching it? Like, are you like you hate it and you expect it to get to change its sort of style or format much? It's not really going to, I mean, this year on discovery, it's no deep dark secret now, and it's been a, a, you know a while. But you know they jump forward uh, into the future, so maybe some people thought that, that was going to change the show drastically. I mean, there are things that changed on it because of that, but you still got the main the main cast, the characters there, pretty much the ship, uh, and you know you're that's still going to be it's still going to be Star Trek Discovery. So, all right, soapbox off for that. Let's see what else. Uh, I finished up the stand on uh, that's on CBS All Access. I, you know, I I can't remember if I watched. I don't know if I've ever actually read the book. I think I've tried a few times. I don't think I think I had. I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan. I'll admit. Um, there's a few things that I like. Actually, I like some of Stephen King's shorter stories, short short shorter stories, short stories in collections and stuff. I find sometimes his books are a little bit long-winded is the best way I can put it. Um, I also have this, I've fallen into this thing now. I think The Walking Dead just created this me thinking like, you know, end of the world scenarios and and people who are kind of nasty in them. I'm kind of over that a bit. You know, it's like people have become exhausted with comic book movies and I get that, but I love comics and that'll probably never, they'll never exhaust me unless there's one coming out every day a new, a new movie or a new TV show. But, um, but the, um, but the end of the world, you know, and, and the stand, you know, of course, a big part of that is this plague that happens and wipes out like 99% of the earth's population. So, I mean, I think they did a nice job. It was a good cast, but ultimately I didn't really care for the people that much. They're all pretty for, with, with a few exceptions with, with, they were all pretty, a lot of really ugly nasty people in that show so i have uh you know again it, it's a hard it's hard for me to watch that kind of we've got a lot of problems in the world these you know this last year of course but i, I want more things like truck which is more hopeful for the most part i mean there's still going to be 
things they have to overcome and, and bad guys and all that. But it's just harder when it's more close to, you know, our reality and home. So, but um, yeah, and then there was a little business on the stand about Stephen King sort of, I guess, wrote the last episode and changed some things maybe or added some stuff that the book altered the ending of the book in a way. Let me just put it this way. They kind of, without spoiling it, they left room to do more if they want to. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that'll happen. I, I, I would probably, if they if they brought a season two out of it, I would probably not watch it. Again, it was well done. It was only, how many episodes was it? Eight? Something like that? I've got CBS All Access opened, actually, anyway, but I, I'm not going to click over to it. But it was a pretty short run of episodes. Maybe it, maybe it was nine or ten. Um, I think it was I think it was under ten. Maybe nine. I should look, but I won't. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get on to some things that I'm enjoying more, though. Uh, I started watching Warrior Nun on, on Netflix. I've, I've been wanting to watch it since, it's, since it appeared on there. I've just been trying to work my way through other stuff. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm only like, have I watched two episodes, I think? Yeah, and uh, I'm really enjoying that. I also started, finally started on Apple TV, started For All Mankind. I'm a sucker for anything in the 50s, 60s, about the early days of the space program. Uh, and so that show has, uh, and, and Ronald Ronald Moore, Ron Moore from... Uh, TNG, Battlestar Galactica, you know, that Ron Moore guy. He's basically, you know, created the show, executive produced it, and all that. Is writing a lot of it, I guess. Uh, but I really, really liking it a lot. Uh, it gives me that feel of the early days of the space program. The the premise of the show, if you don't know, and it's in previews, it's not a, it's not a giveaway. And they also just released Friday, season two of it. So there's two seasons. I think they're each 10 episodes uh, but the premise is is basically Russians landing on the moon before the U.S. and I think that's a really interesting premise. But there's it's there's more to it, of course, than that. It's following the astronauts, their lives, their wives, uh, that that kind of background thing. There's a lot of Werner Braun, von Braun in the in the first couple of few episodes. Um, well, like I said, I've only watched two so far, but I'm really enjoying that a lot. Warrior Nun, um, still working my way through the Sabrina show on Netflix. I'm in part three of that. Uh, and yeah, there's a few other little things. Um, oh, this week, the big thing is, is this Tuesday, I think it is, on the CW, the new Superman show starts. Uh, that that looks good. I'm excited about that. I'm watching, enjoying Alan Tudyk and Resident Alien on the Sci-Fi Channel. That's that's really been good, uh, and it looks like The Flash is coming back pretty soon in early March. Uh, Batwoman is still mixed for me. The new Batwoman, I'm not really caring for very much. I, I'm each week I watch it and I'm like, why am I watching this? It's not really that good. It's kind of I just I, I and there are, uh, again not much of a spoiler I don't think, but the actress left the role right. Ruby Rose left, but they've, um, they're still pretending or like playing this game of like, she might be still, uh, here's a little bit of a spoiler for the first episode of Batwoman of how they get rid of her, but there's a plane that crashes and she supposedly is on the plane and they think she died. Oh, they don't, they don't have a body or anything like that. So they're playing this card of, 
maybe she's still somehow out there somewhere alive. And, and I'm like, well, really? Why are you doing that? I mean, is, is she really? Are they going to bring the actress in for an episode or something? Do a little hand wave and, and then in and out? Or, or are they trying to just keep it open? You know, I, I don't know. I think it would have been preferred. I would have preferred it to be very clean cut. I think that's a too much of a tease to the audience. I mean, the actress is gone. Could she show up again sometime in a guest spot? Possibly, but it's becoming too much of a, it's too much of a focus of the show right now. I think they're three or four episodes in. It's not a huge focus. There's other things going on, but it is in there, and I, and I I don't I think that's doing the show a disservice partially to me. I mean, because we all kind of know she's pretty much gone. You know, whether she's really dead, dead. You know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of get it and I kind of don't. It wouldn't be the way I would have done it if I was writing the show. I'd, I would have either had her leave and not kill her off and make a reason for it and, and make it very clear she wasn't going to be back in, you know, within the context of the show. Or if you're going to kill her off, kill her off. Be bold. Heck, have it even be something like dramatic, like she saves the city, a bomb goes off and she can't defuse it in time or I don't know, whatever. Or she takes a bomb away, you know, on the back of her little bat cycle or something, you know, kind of like they did in that third Nolan Batman movie. But um, just uh, it's yeah. And the actress in, in, in the switch, I don't I'm, it's just not doing it for me. I, I really actually did like season one pretty well. The great the best thing about the show in season one and it's still in season two is um, forget the actress's name. She was on that show Lost Girl, I think, as well. Um, but she plays Alice, who is the, was the sister of Kate Kane and Beth. And uh, but she's she's known as Alice because she sort of acts like the Alice in Wonderland character, kind of kooky. She's sort of a little bit Harley Quinn like. She's she's kind of nutty. And uh, but she's great. The actress is great. The character is great. I, I really like her a lot. She's she's essentially a female Joker somewhat, and she's just kind of nutty, but. Not quite as ruthless, truthfully, as the Joker, you know, but um, all right, we are 20 minutes in. I need to wrap this up. Let us, uh, let me take a quick break. Uh, you won't really hear a break. I'll take a break. I'll have some tea. And then I'm going to be playing, um, it's called The Vulcan Hello. This is season one, episode one of Star Trek Discovery. If you guys have watched, hopefully just about everyone listening has seen this episode. I will talk about it, try to give you a little bit of background on it and behind the scenes things like I've done for Trek episodes when I comment. But I'll talk a little bit about the show and what I think. I have I have some pretty, I think, pretty solid opinions about these early episodes of Discovery. I've talked about it before, of course, but this will be a little bit more in detail because we're just going to talk about the first episode. So uh, stand by and uh, we'll get on to that in a second. They are coming. Atom by atom, they will coil around us and take all that we are. There's one way to confront this threat, by reuniting the 24 warring houses of our own empire. We have forgotten the unforgettable. The last to unify our tribes, Kalis, together under one creed, remain Klingon. 
So here we go with the episode, obviously. That is why. A lot of Klingon here. We light our beacon this day to assemble our people. There's a lot of sounds for one or two words. Two locked arms whose fatal greeting is... I skipped a couple of words. Alright, so we're on this desert-type world here. Idea of Starfleet? Hey, I taught you that. You don't trust me, Captain. I trust you with my life, Commander Burnham, but it doesn't change the fact that you're lost. Very lost. Technically, we would be lost. How long until that storm comes crashing down on us? I estimate one hour, 17 minutes, 22 seconds. Which is why I've made sure we're not lost. How would you estimate to seconds? Way, I mean, come on. It's a bit much, but... This drought's gonna last 89 years. So it's Giorgio and Burnham on this planet. Species. See those exacts? Those are their offspring. They've survived here for over a thousand years, Michael. Right. And if we don't do something now, they won't live another thousand hours. The ambient radiation from a nearby meteor drilling accident dried out their water table. If we can get in and out without making contact, we can steer clear of General Order 1. And there is the well. I stand corrected. Ye of little faith. I've never had a doubt. Tell me what I need to break through this bedrock. 0.7 second fill burst at level setting 13.5. So they shoot down this deep well here to uh, break open, hopefully, water for these planet species that have, you know, they already mentioned it. There's a drought. And now there's a big gush of water. Georgia to Sanjo. Two to transport. The storm is moving faster than I thought. The ship won't be able to pick up our signatures. Unless we can contact Lieutenant Saru, we could be trapped here until it's over. Let's take a walk. Now, one of the things in the background of this is this opening scene originally wasn't written into the episode. This got added in later. I, I like this opening scene, though. I like just the captain and her first officer together. You get to see this weird species here, too, that, that goes over by the well after they just broke open it for the water and everything. And, uh, yeah. Follow my footsteps, Michael. Even lines. Why? Captain, where are we going? It's your turn to trust me, number one. But now we're really lost. We're far too small to be seen with the naked eye. And you can't set a course without a star. Is it wise to be heading away from the village? It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. I think it's time that we talked about you having your own command. I'm grateful, Captain. Though, I would be significantly more so if I thought we had any chance of ever returning to the ship. Just keep walking, Michael. What will you do if you were stuck here for 89 years? A likely scenario, unless we die here in the desert. But say you lived. As a xenoanthropologist, I could reveal myself to the natives, learn their culture, try to fit in. 
possible. And you, Captain? What will you do if we're trapped here for 89 years? That's easy. I'd escape. These are our footprints. You've walked us in a circle. Not exactly a circle. So, uh, one of the things they bring up in the background on this is really with this... They, they basically did a Starfleet emblem, Delta Shield, on the ground. To, to alert, you know, this Shenzhou where they How were. How did they find us? I set a star. I like the transporter effect here in this. It's pretty cool. So, you know, there's this L emblem there of uh, Starfleet emblem on the ground that they walked in about 30 seconds. <laughs> it's It would have taken a while to do that. I mean, it looks like it was a few miles across, but okay, that's fine. So let's talk a little bit about the opening credits. I'll admit, the credits when I first saw them, I'm just trying to think back of how I felt when I first watched this show. Um, they didn't wow me. I, I kind of like the music, and the music has really grown on me. I, I really like it now, Jeff Russo. Um, but uh, the credits were kind of, I felt kind of drab and plain. You know, it's like, it's just, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. I prefer sh seeing, like, shots of ships flying through space. Like, I've always liked, really, the Discovery credits that they did. I thought that was very cool. Um, but these are good, and they've kind of grown on me, and they change a little bit season to season. Uh, some of it, the images stay the same. I should turn this down Turn the music down, and then of course we get the familiar Star Trek, Star Trek theme here at the end of it. I was of course glad that they called the show Star Trek Discovery and not just Discovery. If you guys all remember, um, the show. Uh, yeah, I should give you some more background. Hang on one second. I'll come back to my thought on that. This, um, let's see, story by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman. First Tell, log. Uh, let's listen to this first. On Earth, it's May 11th, 2256, a Sunday. The crew of the USS Shenzhou has been called to the edge of Federation space to investigate damage done to one of our interstellar relays. Blast burns around the hole are inconclusive. Were they caused by an asteroid? Or was it deliberately destroyed to limit Starfleet communications? So this was always a little weird so, because they're starting on the Shenzhou Despite the risks of our mission, ship I and not optimistic. Discovery, so. It's hard not to be. And I, I really like the design of this ship. This I almost case, like the Shenzhou more than Discovery's design. Around these two suns, ice, the bridge is down low. It's, it's actually the under the primary hull. Generations will call home. A humbling reminder that all life is born from chaos and destruction. Based on initial readings, I would say the relay doesn't appear to have been damaged naturally. I don't like the look of that. Well, keep looking. Well, the comment was figurative expressing concern. Finish your scan so you can express facts instead. The bridge is yours, Mr. Saru. So this episode, uh, let's see, uh, story by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman. Brian Fuller was connected to this show early on. He eventually or left pretty quickly. David Semmel is the director. 
He thinks everything's malicious. What do you think? Any idea what it is? By all indications, nothing intelligent. But? Starfleet's reputation for tech hygiene is exemplary. When a relay goes down, the Federation sends a ship to fix it. You think someone's trying to get our attention? If they are, they have. It's interesting how these uh, the, the people are acting in this versus or like I have taken the initiative of keeping us at Burnham's much more Vulcan like here, you know, because she grew up on Vulcan, but she's much more reserved and, and stiff and logical and you know they definitely emphasized her more Vulcan side. And Zincana, agreement between my senior officers. Note the date and time. Noted captain. It's the first episode that we've ever had a first officer and captain of being women uh, on a Starfleet ship in Star Trek history. So that's pretty historic there. I do like the uniforms that they had. Having trouble locating the source. So something's out there, but no one can tell me where or what it is. Wait, I have it. No, recalibrating. Any time now, Mr. Saru. I have it. Magnify. Is that what damaged our relay? What am I looking at? Object of unknown origin. Let's get more specific. I'm unable to bring it into focus. Number one. Range is 2,000 kilometers. Bearing 358, mark 269. Roughly 150 meters long, tucked into that accretion disk, almost directly below us. It's in a sensor dead zone. Some kind of scattering field is confounding the ship's ability to translate the image. As science officer, I can provide a far more concrete and in-depth analysis than simply reading data off a monitor. But considering it's scrambling our optical processors, how are we going to be able to see it? Thoughts number one. With such little data, I'd prefer not to speculate. Oh, I will. It's lurking. The scattering field it's emitting suggests intent. We see something we don't understand and instantly cast judgment. Maybe it's lost. Maybe it's afraid to show us its whole self. So they look at look at it through uh, Georgios. She's got a telescope in her uh, ready room, which I always liked a lot. I thought that was very cool. I respectfully recommend we leave it alone. But I'm not sure we have. You know, wouldn't they have optical sensors too on on the ship, like basically telescopes built into Discovery? It's kind of it's cool, but it doesn't really actually make sense with the high levels of radiation kicking off those binaries she'll have 20 minutes until her dna starts to unravel like noodles like noodles i'll be back in 19 a flyby it seems a waste of the ship's resources what will be gained you do understand that being afraid of everything means you learn nothing there's no opportunity to discover to explore and here i thought we were doing a deep space communication relay audit you're both right saru go with her so one Captain, of, best to keep variables to a minimum. I wouldn't want to put my colleague at risk. And you, Mr. Saru, are you equally happy not to be put at risk? Oh, on any occasion, Captain. You realize, once you reach that scattering field, you could be cut off from all communication. We've come all this way, Captain. It would be irresponsible to leave whatever that is unknown. Just a flyby. Just a flyby. So, uh, you know, the episodes moves pretty quickly here. Uh, one of the interesting things about the way they did this 
behalf of Captain Giorgio and the entire crew of the USS Shenzhou, we'd like to welcome you to Flight 819 with nonstop service to the object of unknown origin. The temperature outside is brisk minus 260 degrees Celsius. We are forecasting some mild degree, but anticipate a smooth ride. That's a bit of a throwback to, you know, what you hear on airlines, but it's I'll, I'll allow it, you know. This is a very this cool sequence, I feel. They could never really do on much object. on previous shows. Data collection is on and nominal. All lights are green. Establishing interlinked frequency. I guess this took quite a long TV. time to film Channel too. Clear and ready to transmit. Confirming six-second directional thrust for saucer realignment. You don't really learn much about the other bridge people here. Life support nominal. Oxygen nitrogen saturation nominal. Air pressure and flow nominal. Communication module. Active. It's really interesting to look out at Burnham here because she's sort of on the hull but upside down because the bridge is below the primary hull on the bottom. Pre-flight checklist complete. Remember though when this was first airing, they put the first episode out on regular CBS. And the, and the big pitch was if you want to watch the next episode and the rest of them, you have to go over to CBS All Access, which started with this show. So I thought that was a pretty good way to do it. This first aired on September 24th, 2017, so about three, Body scan online. three and a half Upgrade years ago. Rising, BP 130 over 70. It's a little elevated for her. She's having fun. Almost to the debris field, Captain. They also didn't really name the other bridge crew much in this episode. So they just referred to them as their, for their positions on the bridge. Unable to comply scattering field. It must be interfering with comms. Mission clock at 17 minutes, 30 seconds. The interference is starting to degrade resolution. Routing additional power to subspace antenna. Oh, I forgot that Detmer didn't have her little, her little piece of cybernetic stuff on her uh, head, near her eye at this point. It's a lot of debris to fly through at the speed she's flying. You know, it's like... Could you slow down just a little? No, it's kind of. I know you have limited time to get in and out, but still. Helen. Shenzhou, are you able to see this? I don't think I'm quite keeping the volume Michael, low enough for my words to get through, but I basically said she's flying Michael. so fast through that debris. You, you might want to slow down a little. Shenzhou, do you copy? Data collection unit, are you there? Internal computer online. Good. Mission time? 12 minutes, 58 seconds. Plenty of time to take a peek. Even from this distance, it's clearly not the One thing I'm noticing here is you don't really get a good sense out of how Burnham's controlling her suit. You don't see her, like, actually working controls. It's, I guess it's mostly audio with a computer, but... Headlamp. See what they meant. This is Burnham in the blind. I'm above the object, which is old. Centuries old. It's difficult to tell if it was constructed or carved. The only word to effectively describe it is wow. 
but I try to be more precise. So she's flying around this uh, unknown object that's sort of cloaked back here with this scattering field thing. Incredibly intricate. The construction and design are nothing short of astounding. I wish you could see what I'm seeing. It is sublime. It's impossible to discern a practical purpose. Go on and land on it. Get a closer look. Nice and easy. Hold on. My presence has triggered some sort of motion response. So there's now somebody near her, also in a in a suit. On that, on that. Scanning for database recognition. Iconography confirmed. Klingon. I'm Commander Bonham of the United Federation of. So the guy had started, he swung at her, attacked her at her, and she used her jets to push back on the Batleth, and which drove it into him, killing him. I have number one, telemetry only. Blood pressure is 70 and falling. She won't make it unless we get her back now. Transporter control. Do we have her, Mr. Wheaton? Pattern integrity is too weak, Captain. So we get a lock on her. Boost her signal. Captain, there is no signal. You better get me a signal. Remotely fire her jetpack. She's offline. She's floating free. Engineering. Tractor beam? Can't get a lock. We're running manual calculations. The scattering field is still a problem, Captain. We can't transport her until she clears it. She'll soon exhibit symptoms of acute radiation syndrome. She's not going to last much longer. Hang on. So she's kind of floating around out there now, obviously. Trying to get a lock on her and everything. Her suit um, is messed up. Head plate, head face plate thing is bashed in a bit. They need those grappler things from Enterprise, you know, those things that they had. So now we've sort of gone ahead to our torchbearer killed by the Federation interloper. Yeah, so they already got this guy. I see you as you see the end. Our torchbearer honors us. First to die in our crusade. I wasn't super thrilled with the, the Klingon. I like the makeup is not bad. I don't like their outfits. They just look ridiculous and sort of impractical to me, in, in my opinion. They've got all this stuff like, like poking out of it and stuff like that. You know, they they just don't look. They just don't look like they'd be something people would be walking around wearing. You know, I get their warriors and maybe that's supposed to be their armor, but it's all you ever really see them wearing. Oh, they're basically floating this guy. Do the yell, do the Klingon yell, which is a good throwback. 
and letting this guy basically giving him sort of a burial in space. Our ancestors welcome our fallen brother Rejek to their black fleet. They fight with us as we fight against our enemy. Remain Klingon. So they got Burnham back, obviously, and she's being sort of regenerated in sickbay. She's got all these radiation burns and things. The, um... Uh, what was I going to say? Now I completely lost it. Oh. So she's sort of unconscious, and, and, and they're showing her now as a, as a child on Vulcan. Klingon homeworld Kronos. And welcoming to the Federation. Correct. Klingon political order. 24 great houses. Correct. Location of the most recent Klingon terror raid. Unacceptable duration between query and correct response. Number of survivors. So there was a Klingon raid, basically, and Burnham's... That's where she's from. That's where Sarek found her. Her parents were killed and all that. Um... I was going to say, this show is, uh, is set, no. you know, post-Enterprise, but pre-original um, Trek series. Only a little bit pre-original Trek. About ten years, approximately. So Sarek is here, looking over her, her education. Sarek, I'm sorry. I can do better. When emotion brings us ghosts from the past, only logic can root us in the present. James Frain plays Sarek here. Uh, it's he's really good in the role. I feel I, I think he fits it well. Looks looks the part. Um, he plays it pretty 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 much like the previous actors who have played it. Good, you're awake. I was dreaming. Oh, what about Klingons? How did I get here? We transported you back aboard three hours ago. Three hours? Anti-proton therapy regimen incomplete. Commander, what Session are you doing? terminated prematurely. Medical emergency. There's no time. Commander, wait. The recombination process is nowhere near finished. I need you back in the anti-proton chamber. Do you understand the effect of genetic unspooling? You don't want to die that way. Commander! It's like, you know, couldn't you just call the bridge and tell the captain that way and stay in the little chamber? I know it's dramatic this way, but again, I always feel like drama's one thing ridiculous. She shows up on the bridge and all burned up. and Have they made contact? Who's they? There are Klingons out there. We need to go to Red Alert. Michael? Almost no one has seen a Klingon in a hundred years. I have. One attacked me on that object. Check my helmet cam. The footage was corrupted. Internal sensors show that the commander has entered the bridge in an irradiated state. Without immediate treatment, her condition will most certainly be terminal. He was warrior cast. His his EV suit bore a Klingon house in Sydney. She also has a grade three concussion. I am not delusional. This has nothing to do with a concussion. Philippa. There are Klingons. Tell me what happened. He ambushed me. I hit my thruster pack to get away. I somehow knocked him into his blade. 
I killed him. But that object could be hiding a Klingon raiding party obscured behind that scattering field. If there are Klingons in the sector, they may be responsible for the damage to our relay. If there are Klingons in this sector, we should withdraw immediately. <laughs> Saru's a big chicken, especially here, option. but of course that's part of his species, so... Whatever is over there needs to show itself. It is sort of fun going back in time here and watching the show now, how these characters have definitely evolved a lot over the three seasons, and I like that. You know, you get a good sense. destroy another culture's property on a whim. I didn't say anything about destroying it. Let's make them think we're going to attack. Target the object. We're locked on. Something is scanning us. They've detected our weapon signature. Wait. So this huge Klingon ship appears, decloaking right in front of them. No warp signatures detected, Captain. And where did they come from? Mr. Gant, disengage face cannon targeting. Number one, get to sickbay. I need you fixed up and back on the bridge stat. Mr. Yanuzi, context our fleet command. Send an encoded message. Tell them we have engaged the Klingons. Unidentified Klingon vessel. This is the Federation starship Shenzhou. Please respond. Unidentified Klingon vessel. This is the Federation starship Shenzhou. Please respond. They're really hey, next to each other. All is as meant to be. Who is Regex? Next in line? Question mark. I am his brother, Orek. You want to be our new torchbearer. With respect, he says, I find great wisdom in your teachings. But can you be sure our brothers and sisters will answer your call? They will because the prophecy commands. All Klingons must come to the light of Kalos when it shines in the night sky. Because of a fable? So you doubt? You dishonor. Only yourself. I will light the beacon. Someone else comes up and says. Speak your name. Vok. Son of Nun. Oh, who's this guy? They're all like saying. <laughs> you have no family blade of your own. He's very pale. He's like albino Klingon. The birthright of a noble house. You are unworthy. I am worthy. Not by blood. But by faith. I serve. He puts his hand into this flame and just lets it burn by the power of Kalos, he says. I am reborn in his flames. This guy's crazy, crazy guy. Uh, just gonna keep your hand burning there. <laughs> Smelling a little toasted. 
I recognize you as one who has lived his life on the outside and yearns to be part of something bigger than himself. Some may see the color of your skin as nature's mistake. I call it a mirror. For I see myself in you. My lord, long range sensors show the movement just as you predicted. Excellent. The time has come. Take my blade, Volk, son of Nun. So these batliths in this time period are pretty much more elaborate. The honor of Torchbearer is yours. Light the beacon. Don't burn your hand. Unidentified Klingon vessel. This is the Federation starship Shenzhou. Please respond. Is there any chance they can't hear us? You're transmitting on every subspace channel there is. Your orders, Commander. Any response? None. Commander, there is something I'd like to show you. Their hull is covered in hollow ornamental metallic pods, thousands of them, tightly interlocked, forming a kind of armor. Not the most efficient defense. I suspect its purpose is more symbolic than practical. They contain Klingon biological material in various states of decay. Remote dating is wildly divergent. Some bones date back thousands of years, others only hours old. Their entire ship is covered with coffins. Commander. That's creepy. Captain listens to you. Tell her we must withdraw. I'm afraid that's no longer possible. Your world has food chains. Mine does not. Our species map is binary. We are either predator or prey. My people were hunted, bred, farmed. We are your livestock of old. We were biologically determined for one purpose and one purpose alone. To sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. Yeah, the Klingon flagship has a stealth mode. Not looking so it's good. Some kind of cloaking screen. Unlike anything we've ever seen, Admiral, there may be more vessels out there than we know. We've reached out with every form of friendship greeting Starfleet has. They're blocking our hails. Feels like a setup. Maybe our relay got too close for Klingon comfort and they destroyed it to lure us out here. You remember my first officer, Michael Burnham? Next time you might try not disturbing the property of a warrior race we've hardly spoken to for a hundred years. Our only choice now is to navigate this situation with as much finesse as possible. Admiral, if I may. The ideal outcome for any Klingon interaction is battle. They're relentlessly hostile, sir. It's in their nature. The Federation and the Klingon Empire have always been on the cold side of war. We've had only fleeting run-ins with them for a century, and now you presume to know their motivation because it is in their nature? 
Considering your background, I would think you're the last person to make assumptions based on race. With respect, it would be unwise to confuse race and culture. The Europa and all fleet vessels within range will be at your coordinates in two hours. Hold your position. Do nothing. Absent provocation, understood. Understood, Admiral. Signal terminated. That went well. What's the mood outside? Saru is the only one talking. He strongly believes we should about face. There is a space station at Eagle 12, three light years away. The Andorian colony at Gamma Hydra is six. Sunjo is the only line of defense if the Klingons attack. Not if. When. I have to hope that whatever happens here can serve as a bridge between our civilizations. That's the diplomat in you talking. What does the soldier say? Nothing good. Captain, to the bridge. So there's this huge sort of bright Status. light. Massive photonic activity on the Klingon object, Captain. Output is over one billion lumens per square meter. Optical sensors overloaded. Green plasmatic filters online. Rerouting power. Is that a weapon? It seems to be some sort of signal emitter. Where are my filters? They're at 100%, Captain. They need to close those windows. They need to buy some blinds and put them up. <laughs> the noise is some kind of electromagnetic subspace waveform. Narrowing channel range. Adjusting orientation to minimize dispersion. Somebody turn it down. Hi, Captain. All the way down. Acoustics are muted. That's the ship's superstructure and sympathetic vibration. It's a signal pulse. Is there a message? This may be the message. Captain, what if they're calling for the same thing we are? Back up. Long-range sensors to the maximum, Saru. If more Klingons are on their way, I want as much notice as possible. Permission to leave the bridge, Captain. Are you kidding? It's relevant. Granted. Ensign, get me a status report, deck by deck. All right, Captain. All right, so Computer. Burnham takes Working. off and goes Open to, I think this are quarters, yeah. Use of this frequency requires diplomatic Voice print authorized. Burnham. Michael. Confirmed. Commander Burnham. Hello, Sarek. Happy to see you. So many years. And still you allow emotional considerations to impede your logic. They inform my logic. I need your help. I assume the timing of the call was not coincidental. The quadrant reports a new star in the sky. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? We've encountered the Klingons. How rare to meet one's own demons in the flesh. I killed one. In light of the fact that they killed your parents, some might think that only fair. However, if a death was necessary, I am satisfied it was not yours. I'm most certain you did not call me for emotional solace. We're facing off. No fire has been exchanged. But they didn't turn on that beacon until Starfleet was on its way to our position. I think they're summoning more of their kind. An odd proposition, given that their empire has been in disarray for generations. But you are describing something out of the ordinary. Restraint in the face of conflict, when a civilization acts in opposition to its instincts, maybe under the influence of something or someone new. 
great unifiers, few and far between, but they do come. Often such leaders will need a profound cause for their followers to rally around. A war. Be very careful that your assumptions are not being driven by your past. This isn't about what happened, Zarek. It's what's happening now. How did the Vulcans achieve diplomatic relations with the Klingons? That is a solution particular to us. One cannot assume it would work on a ship commanded by humans. Sarek, please. I caution you, be considered with how you use this information. You cannot save lives that have already been lost. Tell me, how did you keep the Klingons at bay? Engineering, report. Internal damage negative, core is 100%. Captain, we have to fire on them. Hit that ship with everything we've got. Absolutely not. They have empowered weapons. They don't appear to pose an imminent threat. The Klingon threat is always imminent and inevitable. Tactical logs, Ray. Thank you, Mr. Gant. I'd like to remind you, we're wildly outgunned. 240 years ago, near Hatoria, a Vulcan ship crossed into Klingon space. The Klingons attacked immediately. They destroyed the vessel. Vulcans don't make the same mistake twice. From then on, until formal relations were established, whenever the Vulcans crossed paths with Klingons, the Vulcans fired first. They said hello in a language the Klingons understood. Violence brought respect. Respect brought peace. Captain, we have to give the Klingons a Vulcan hello. If their intention is to attack, falling up our fists won't dissuade them. It would be logical for you to take into account my success rate during our seven years together and execute my plan without further challenge before we're dragged into war. Starfleet doesn't fire first. That's all, number one. We have to. In my ready room. Uh-oh. Now. Yeah, you know, a little overboard Lieutenant there. Lieutenant Commander, you have the bridge. But yes, the, um... It's sound advice. This has always been a tricky thing for me to follow here. Computer privacy. How dare you challenge me? I apologize for my insubordination. Don't you realize that kind of talk can destabilize a crew? Don't underestimate them. I've overseen their exercises. They're ready for battle. Battle is not a simulation. It's blood and screams and funerals. I taught you better than this. We don't start shooting on a hunch. And we don't take innocent lives, period. I understand your history with the Klingons. My commitment to this course of action is not emotional. We target his neck, cut off its head. You're still injured. You're not Thousands thinking Thousands of lives will be lost because of failure to act. Whose lives? Victims of your imaginary war. And your life, Captain. Yours. Stand down, Commander Burnham. That's an order. And she just nerve pinched I'm sorry. Philippa. You're relieved, Mr. Saru. Where is the captain? I provided her with Klingon intel from a personal source on Vulcan. She's passing it to the Admiral. 
Weapons. Slot a pair of photon torpedoes in the tubes and compute a firing solution targeting the neck of that Klingon ship. Is the plan to fire on the Klingons, Commander? We have uh -oh. to be ready in case that's what the captain decides. Are you acting on the captain's orders? I'm your superior officer. We are in a high-risk scenario. Question chain of command again and I'll remove you. Commander, it's just... Your breathing is elevated, perspiration is visible at your hairline. I fear what you are doing betrays the wishes of our captain. Target phasers. Take your station, Commander. This is mutiny. Move, Saru. Tactical. We're locked on. Fire! Belay that order. Captain, please. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save all of you. Stand down. Captain, incoming. Warp signatures detected. Is it Starfleet? Nope. It's not. So, Giorgio's got a phaser on Burnham. No. A lot of Klingons. Those ships are Klingon. So this reminds me a little bit of Star Wars, right? <laughs> Where the Emperor basically creates a war to to get, you know, to get control and to and to become the Emperor. You know, he's like, hey, let's have a war and you'll need me. And uh, I never really put that parallel together exactly. Here, let me dial this down a little bit because it's going to click into the next episode. Or maybe I can keep the credits going. Yeah, I can. All right, so there we go. The Vulcan, hello. Episode 1, Season 1 of Star, Star Trek Discovery. Turn the music down a little bit. Yeah, it's fun to watch that again. Like I said, I think the biggest thing that I noticed this time is the um, how the, uh, the cast and the characters, well, the characters, I guess, basically, there, credit's over. Um, but the, yeah, they've, they've really done a lot. I mean, people... Um, some of the people who are really big on Discovery, you know, they always talk about Burnham and she's, oh, she's she's so emotional and she's so, I, I don't really have a problem with it myself, frankly. I, 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 I kind of enjoy it because when I see the way she was in this, I mean, she's she's kind of emotional, you know, she, she basically mutinies and, but I've always after watching this episode again and, and even after I saw it the first time and then the, while well, I was watching the first season, you know, she gets obviously in a lot of trouble for doing what she does here, which kind of makes sense. Starfleet doesn't shoot first. You know, the, you know, she basically, you know, knocks the captain out, takes over. So yeah, she, she should get into trouble, but, um, but is she right? You know, was she right? If they if they had like shot the, the that main Klingon ship before the other one showed up, would would things have changed and, and gone a lot differently? Would they have been pushed into you know the Klingons? Would have would have you know would they it respected the Federation and and then they would have said okay yeah let's talk instead of just opening fire with all those other ships. It's it's hard for me to understand you know it would be like you know. The classic of a, a bully, right? You know that everybody always says. You know, if there's a bully, you know, if you if you make it known, you won't back down. That you take the first punch, you take the first shot. 
they'll respect you and, and they'll back they'll back off a little bit and understand. But I mean, it's one little one little science federation ship against a whole bunch of Klingon ships. Even if the Shenzhou had fired first, would that have changed things? Would they have just blown the Shen- Shenzhou up anyway or whatever? But um, yeah, so maybe in a month or two, uh, I'll get it on the calendar. We'll do the next uh, the Battle of the Binary Stars, which is, of course, a, a lot of battle stuff and, and, a, and a cool episode. I think I like that one. Well, I like it. I like them all. But um, yeah, the, the the thing about this, again, to me, the biggest thing that I was noticing is how, how much the characters have changed and evolved uh, from this point in time. I I really love the the Shenzhou ship. I, I wish they would go back and maybe have an episode or two. They've done that. They they've managed to pull that ship in occasionally in the, throughout the series. So uh, it's very. Uh, I, I I look at this and I and I go with everyone who who is kind of down on Discovery and hasn't really enjoyed it. I don't get it. It's 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 quite a bit different than other Trek, but it's still Trek and it's still cool and it's still interesting to me. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, um, I mean, I like different series, different casts, different characters more than others. The show is amazingly produced. The look that, you know, the whole, the whole show, you know, there was a lot of complaints about the, you know, CBS all access phase and that still kind of comes up, although they're becoming Paramount plus right in March. That could be a benefit because I, I think they're going to get some other additional content on there. They've been a little slow to roll out other content. I mean, we've had three Star Trek shows and we're going to get a fourth one with strange new worlds. And maybe, maybe that, uh, section 31 show, I guess is maybe still happening, but who knows? Um, but I, I like the show a lot. I like the cast. I like the characters and it's, um, I'm happy to have, as I've said, since the beginning of this, one of the main things about, doing this podcast in the early days was there was no Trek. And, and I was, you know, always trying to say, hey, Trek will come back. Let's just keep the fires burning. And, you know, sure enough, it took it took a while. It took, um, let's see, this show started in 2017. So it took approximately 12 years, right? Because 2005 was when Enterprise ended. So a 12-year gap. And I remember when, <laughs> I still remember when Enterprise ended, there was talk that they probably wouldn't be any new truck in, in, you know, for a decade. And I said, Oh my gosh, really at least uh, 10 years. And it was ended up being 12. So, uh, uh, it's, it's yeah, pretty, pretty crazy. The, um, other thing about that's interesting that, um, that they don't do is they don't put the titles on these episodes as they're airing. They don't put them on, uh, um, there, you know, but they, the Vulcan hello is, is it a, a good choice for a title for this first episode? And yeah, I like it a lot. Um, they, uh, they did a good job with sort of both creating a new different kind of Trek series and each season has been a little unique, I, I think. Um, and, and also modernizing it a bit. That's one of the other things that people will bring up on, on discovery is, well, it looks too new. It looks too, good and it's supposed to be actually set about a 10-year time period before the original series but it's it's the same thing that they did when i think strange new worlds is going to make this even more apparent because they're going to be basically doing it on the enterprise right it's going to be about captain pike younger spock and it's going to be on the enterprise which they've already shown in discovery in, in season two so 
but you can modernize it and still kind of make it, oh, yeah, that's that's the bridge of the Enterprise or that's a, a Starfleet ship or, or that's a uniform, a, a, a Star Trek Starfleet type uniform. I, I, it's I, even though I truly so much, you know, enjoy and love the original series, you wouldn't really want uh, like or you wouldn't really want to do that show, you know, with that kind of look um currently i i would probably i would have probably upgraded the it but a little differently than he did for the enterprise when they showed it in uh season two of discovery i think they went a it's pretty modern they've got the red railing on there they got the captain's chair and the helm console and all that but i probably would have made it a little bit look a little bit more like the original but not a lot i i like it and um and the enterprise they also obviously modified the way the ship looked too so that show's going to be really good. I'm really excited. The biggest thing is, is they're going to go back to doing more. It's called Strange New World. So they're going to go back to doing more episodic kind of trek where, hey, they go to a planet this week and this happens. And then they go somewhere else and this happens. Not this season-long saga kind of storytelling, which is, it has its place and it's fun and it's good. And it's a lot of modern TV is set up like that. But it, it shouldn't be the only trek, like, you know, I... I, I probably would like the other stuff almost more just because i find it more imaginative in a way you're you're it's it's like doing a little short story kind of a thing each week rather than a long novel if the long novel is good that's good but it gets a little uh, tiresome sometimes i kind of really like the way doctor who does it actually doctor who has this ability and and in the best seasons has done it really well where there's some kind of a storyline overarching arc going on but they also do individual episodes as well. Discovery hasn't really been able to do that very much. Uh, they did it a very tiny amount, uh, but not a lot. And I think I, w- I wish they could get to that level maybe next season, maybe season four. They'll be able to do that a little bit, get out there and explore um, some new planets and things in the future. But we'll see. All right, that's plenty to talk about on this show for Treks in Sci-Fi. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I, I feel like I, I, I'm, I apologize if I was sometimes talking and you couldn't hear me as well or the, the sound of the episode was either too low or too high. Uh, what I noticed with this episode versus other Trek that I've commented on, Discovery is a little tricky, and some of the newer Treks have been like this. They tend to be very loud and times and very There's a bigger range of volume rather than kind of a steady, like, um, sound. I, I don't know if I'm explaining that perfectly, but I think you guys know what I mean. So it takes more manipulating of the, I want you to still be able to hear what's going on in the episode a little bit, but I also want you to hear what I can say, so or what I have to say. So hopefully that wasn't too bad for you. I, I kind of monitor what the level is at, but it's a little tricky when all of a sudden some new louder part comes in and then I'm still talking or whatever. I'm sure it was probably fine, right? Right. Okay. All right. Next week, uh, next week, we're going to have a guest uh, spot. Guest uh, Mark Daniels is going to be here doing another, I'm sure, classic sci-fi. Uh, maybe he'll do another top 10 show or a classic movie, but he will be back in, in uh, here next week. And then I'm going to start putting together what the uh, schedule will be for March. So everyone stay safe uh, and uh, stay warm, I hope. And uh, we'll all get through this. It'll eventually be spring, summer. We'll all be vaccinated and everything will be fine and back to normal, right? So, all right. Take care, everyone. Talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye.
This has been a Rick Dosty Podcast production.